Welcome to SignalCast. First, Signal reporter William Kim speaks with Texas Senate candidate Royce West about his runoff with fellow candidate MJ Hagar, his strengths as a candidate, and the state of Texas politics today. Coronavirus is dominating the news right now. Absolutely. Um, I just wanted to uh, get your take on how the response, both from uh, the federal government and uh, John Cornyn in particular, as well as the uh, state response uh, that we're seeing with Governor Abbott. Well, I, I think that it's it's real important that we get the resources into the hands of those institutions and businesses and employees that need the support. Uh, what do I mean by that? Our public health system throughout this country is under a great deal of pressure, and we know that the governors of the various states, be they Democrats or Republicans, are crying out for help uh, in areas of making certain we have more first responders, uh, that we have more personal protection equipment, uh, more uh, ventilators, a whole host of of, uh, equipment and other resources they need in order to manage what will be an epic uh, influx of persons that have this virus into our health care facilities. That's why the the shelter-in-place is so important. Uh, We know that looking at China and other countries that seem like to be on the other side where we have a flattening, that the sheltering-in-place works and people need to heed that. Um, In terms of uh, the votes that are occurring, I want to make certain that we hold uh, Corning and everyone else accountable to to making certain that uh, the little guy is able to get the resources that he or she needs in order to uh, make it through uh, this particular uh, pandemic. I want to make certain that small businesses get the opportunity to get the resources, just like the major corporations, the Fortune 500, are getting, and uh, that to the extent that the Fortune 500 get the stimulus package, that we make certain we don't repeat the uh, problems that uh, our, our problems that we had in the past with them. They were able to, frankly, enrich themselves when we did this back in 2008, I believe it was, with real, with um, no real consequences for them enriching themselves. And so if we're going to be giving taxpayer dollars to large corporations, we need to make certain that we do a means test to determine exactly what they need and to the extent that they need the influx of cash, that they need to make certain that when they get back on, on sound footing, that they reimburse the federal government, i.e. taxpayers, for the uh, influx of monies that we are uh, giving them in order to maintain their particular business. And needless to say, and I'll stop with this, obviously the airline industry is strapped. No one is flying, and we need our airline industry and and other industries also. But I want to make certain it's transparency, and I want to make certain to the extent that we invest in these companies that we get a return on investment. So uh, going off of that, the Senate stimulus bill recently failed. Would would you vote for that bill as it's written currently? Uh, No, I wouldn't. Uh, The the issue of transparency, and I haven't seen the latest iteration of it yet, but I I do know that there's some issues in terms of are we making certain that we are taking care of the little man? Are we making certain we're taking care of our brothers? Are we being our brother's keeper? And I don't think we are. I think we're being a corporation's keeper, 
but we're not being our brother's keeper. And we've got to make certain that that bill reflects that type of philosophy. So your runoff election has been delayed due to concerns over the coronavirus, and the Texas Democratic Party is also pushing for uh, universal mail-in ballots. Uh, what do you think should be done to uh, ensure that everyone can vote uh, during this during this time, um, especially when some experts say we may still be dealing with this outbreak in the, even in November? Well, I, I think that we, we've got to be pretty pragmatic about it. When we begin to look at the workforce infrastructure of our elections, uh, of our election system, it's basically elderly citizens that are manning the polls. And we know that the most susceptible portion of our population uh, demographically are persons that are elderly, over 60 years old. And so we know that we're going to have to do something about it because we won't have the workforce necessary in order to ban those polls. And so obviously the best choice is going to be a mail-in ballot option that we need to use. And if we use it temporarily, we use it temporarily or whatever the case may be. Is, it, is there precedent for it? Yes, there is. Uh, we've got to make certain that we look at that precedent in terms of other states, put the safeguards in place in terms of uh, making certain that there is uh, no, how should I say, malfeasance, no fraud involved in it. And we can do that here in the state of Texas. We just need to start planning for it and get it done. Okay, and uh, final question, speaking of the runoff. So you're in the runoff with uh, MJ Hagar. What would you say distinguishes yourself uh, from her candidacy? Well, you know, uh, again, as I've said uh, over and over again, experience. I mean, you, you look at any number of policy issues, and I've weighed, in, I've weighed into those policy issues over 26 years that I've been a state senator. If you're talking about women's rights, I was there on the floor of the state senate with uh, Wendy Davis fighting for women's rights. I've done that throughout my whole legislative career. When you begin to look at issues concerning gun issues, uh, I have been there throughout my whole legislative career on background checks, on assault weapons, on minimizing the magazine size. I've been doing that in terms of being advocates for uh, protective orders uh, for women. I've done that on climate change. I've not just talked about it. I have done something about it. You look at those wind farms up there in uh, the Panhandle and up there, uh, at Lubbock. You, I had an I was involved in making certain that that happened. And when you begin to look at immigration issues, my, my record is second to none. And so when you look at the major issues that people care about, which need to be addressed, civil rights issues, uh, employment issues, uh, business issues, I was there. Uh, the main catalyst in putting together what we call the historically utilized business program to make sure that women-owned businesses and minority businesses get a better share of state procurement dollars. I've done these things. And so when you get ready to hire someone for a job and you look at their resume, you want to make sure those persons have experience and also references. And look at my record. You'll see that I have experience in those areas and I have references. Most of the Democratic elected officials have endorsed me. Uh, we've had at least three other candidates in this race endorse me. Uh, Christina Ramirez endorsed me. Chris Bellis endorsed me. Michael Cooper have endorsed me. And we're working on other endorsements. And so when you ask what is the difference between the two of us, I will be able to energize the Democratic Party. I'm not just involved in the Democratic Party. I'm committed to the Democratic Party. And there's a difference. There's one major difference between the two of us. I have been involved throughout my entire life. And to the extent the Democrats want someone that's been involved and committed to the party, I'm that person. I have a track record of that. I've chaired 
uh, a Senate, uh, a state convention for the Democratic Party. I sat on the Senate Democratic Executive Committee. I sat on the DNC Executive Committee. That's not only involvement, that's commitment. That's one of the major differences between the two of us. And yes, I've been able to get people together. You look at the African Americans and the Hispanic communities, I've been able to pull them together. They will be able to uh, get, we'll be able to get them out to vote, and I'll be able to energize the base. That's another difference. If, I'm the, if I am the Senate Democratic nominee, I will be able to energize the base better than M.J. Hager. This week, the Democratic Party launched a new program to continue organizing efforts amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Joining us to talk about that new program is Olivia Spitalis, the party's organizing director. Before uh, we jump into the details, I wanted to ask you all to paint a picture for what the ongoing pandemic means for organizing up and down the ballot. At the presidential level, we've seen former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders cancel rallies to curb the infection. What about specifically in Texas and down ballot races for Congress and the Texas legislature and even, you know, local elections? How is the pandemic affecting organizing right now? Well, I can speak on behalf of the Texas Democratic Organizing Program. Two weeks ago, on March 9th, we formally rolled out our original organizing plan with a goal of leading a community-driven, constituency-focused program that always put volunteers at the decision-making table. And none of that has changed. But now we're really thinking and switching gears about how we do that in this moment, how we do that that prioritizes the safety of our volunteers, our community members, and what we can do to shift our focus, but ultimately create a more unified Texas. The reason, I mean, why why now? Obviously, coronavirus and the pandemic is, is why you know, we're pushing this out now. But just, just logistically, why is it so important to kind of shift these organizing efforts more into a digital space? What's happening on the ground with these campaigns that, that demand something like this from the party? Yeah. So ultimately, right now, we really wanted to shift our focus to being a service organization, hearing from folks on the ground, experiencing uh, ourselves, you know, this feeling of misinformation, disconnection, worry, fear. So we wanted to build out some programs that were going to, in a time where people feel so disconnected, establish a way to bring people together uh, digitally, also over the phone, and then really set us up to think creatively about how you do organize in these times while still also always being grounded in our goals of building relationships um, and putting our volunteers first. So really, we really feel like through these programs, we've been able to not lose a sense of our mission, to not lose a sense of our focus. We definitely are very clear-eyed on what we need to do to win in November, but we are also very focused on what we can do now, and that's what we need to do is to serve our community members, to offer them resources, connections, um, and ultimately create a create a Texas that is more connected than before. So can you go through uh, some of the finer points of the program and what it entails? Definitely. So we launched our Organizing Through Coronavirus program this week with the goal of doing three things, and those are to inform, empower, and connect Texans. One way we're doing that is we launched an online community hub called Connect Texas. This is a Slack-based platform 
that will allow community members, campaigns, folks that have been involved in politics before, or people that just really feel right now they can't be a bystander and they want to do more, as well as people that right now they want accurate information, they want resources, and want to feel connected. So Connect Texas allows people to engage, to share stories of what's working. We've split it up into various channels. So you can join channels that are specific to your locality, where you're living, join constituency-focused channels. We have a great constituency organizing team. So joining channels uh, like our Linux channel or our Millennial Gen Z channel, and then also have platforms to share resources. So We've worked really hard to build a space where anyone can help share resources and we'll publish those. We know that folks on the ground know their community the best. And so we want to make sure that we have a space to share what's working, the resources that they're seeing, but also use Connect Texas as a way to connect others who may be experiencing things on the ground um, and can provide um, a sense of communication through that. So Connect Texas is one of the programs. We'll also be launching Connect 254 which is a series across all 254 counties in Texas to do 254 community check-in calls. We know that digital is not just the only answer. And so thinking about what we can do to bring folks together over the phone, again, there may be some pre-established community leaders like county chairs who are already doing great work. But we think in this moment, people are going to feel an impetus to do more because they care about their community, also because they're worried. And so bringing people together to hear from them on the ground, what's working, what do you need, what resources can you share? And hopefully these community check-in calls will evolve as the campaign continues and be something that our volunteers also help run. With that in mind, we're launching our Community Captains Program. This is an opportunity for folks who really feel in this moment they want to do more, they want to step up help uh, navigate different connections in their community, take on more, help us chart out how we can stay connected in ways that are specific to their community and their constituency. Earlier, you mentioned that, you know, the platform is, is also kind of vital. The program is vital for, you know, for information itself and also combating misinformation as well. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So we really felt like here in Texas, This was one way to get people accurate information, timely information in a way we weren't seeing uh, Texas government do. So we've really stepped in and also created something that's community-led and feel this is an opportunity to share resources, resources that are community and constituency-specific, and also an opportunity for people to engage around the resources. So to post something, ask the question, where is is this actually true? Is this what you're seeing? And to have a community where people can engage back and forth uh, for folks that are actually on the ground experiencing these issues. Um, So for that, that's going to best inform us for how to make decisions and give folks a space to engage who really didn't know each other before. And I think that is um, a beauty in this time is that it brings people together that didn't know each other before. It unites them over, you know, a common goal of, of helping, helping their state, helping their community, um, and sharing what's working. Just to, just to help people who might be interested, is this something that's up and running? And, and if so, you know, how, how do I, you know, sign up or, or start participating? Yeah, so we have launched our Connect Texas hub. Anyone can sign up and join, and the information is on our website. Uh, we'll be building out our community captain launch the first week in April, as well as our Connect Texas 254 community check-in calls. And we're also going to be building out constituency-specific workshops. 
um, that are digital and also can be dialed in, thinking about how this time impacts college students specifically or the AAPI community. And these workshops are one, of course, to share resources, but an opportunity also to people uh, for people to come together and connect, to brainstorm, and also just to feel a sense of sense of security in their communities um, and to meet new people. And so all of those are up on our website, and we'll be building those out over the next two weeks. So obviously, the pandemic <clears throat> uh, won't be around forever. Hopefully, um, you know, people are putting. Uh, starting having estimates of, of timeline. Is this program something that, you know, will stick around and continue to serve Texan, Texans even after, you know, the pandemic goes away? A hundred percent. And we were really thoughtful about that because we wanted to build something that was what the what we feel like would help community now, but we also wanted to build something that would be able to pivot and would be able to grow along with whatever the current climate is. So whether we're in the time of coronavirus or not, our, you know, we're not taking our foot off the gas. Ultimately, our organizing program is grounded in building relationships, creating connections across communities, constituency organizing, and all of those goals are directly aligned to what we're doing now. And we're hopeful with this program that we'll be able to foster stronger connections than existed before, create better relationships within um, communities, within counties, and across the state, and also really use this as an apparatus to best share what is working And that's going to set everyone up in Texas for success in November, as well as beyond 2020. We wanted to spotlight one of our top stories this week, which concerned Texas Democrats urging Governor Greg Abbott to issue a stay-at-home order. So with the threat of COVID-19 still spreading in more areas of the country, countless health experts are strongly encouraging government officials to implement stay-at-home orders. These orders will help flatten the curve of the virus, they say, and as a result, help reduce the potential load on hospitals. By March 25th, 17 states implemented the stay-at-home order, and Texas was not one of these states. 65 members of the Texas House Democratic Caucus urged Governor Greg Abbott to issue an executive order to implement the order to combat the coronavirus, The sooner our state and nation take the dramatic steps necessary to stop the spread of the virus, the sooner people will be able to get back to work, a day that cannot come soon enough. Chair of the House Democratic Caucus Representative Chris Turner said, For these reasons, we urge Governor Abbott to use his authority to issue a statewide stay-at-home order. We stand ready to support the governor in this regard in any way that we can. Local Democratic officials are taking no chances. Numerous Texas cities and counties have issued stay-home, work-safe orders for all non-essential businesses and trips, including Austin and Travis County, Dallas and Dallas County, Harris County and Houston, San Antonio and Bayer County, and El Paso County. During times like this, we need moral leadership, leaders who are decisive, and ready to turn advice into action for their community, Texas Democratic Party Executive Director Manny Garcia said. Democratic officials in Texas are defining leadership during this unprecedented time. They are protecting their communities, making smart decisions, and not sitting idly by as Republican state and federal officials put their head in the sand. Under the order, residents can still go to the grocery store, parks, and run other critical errands. 
Restaurants will continue operating drive-through and takeout services, but officials advise restraint and maintaining a six-foot distance. In a statement Tuesday morning, Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo announced the order would take effect at midnight. Those of us whose jobs are essential to health and safety must do everything we can to maintain six feet from one another. If your work is essential, you must work safe. Hence, stay home, work safe. Texas has seen more than 736 confirmed cases and 11 deaths, according to the state's health agency. Thank you for listening to The Texas Signal. The podcast was edited by Sarah Thugvi. To find out more about who we are and what we do, please visit our website at thetexassignal.com.